0: Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. I just preach a, a random sermon today. I'm not even, it's not even a sermon series. I, I don't know. It's just, it's just a random thing that the Lord just laid on my heart this week. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to John chapter 5. Uh, we're going to look at um, a famous story, uh, typically known as The Man by the Pool of Bethesda. Um, I think there's a lot more. <laughs> Poppy already knows this, this, this story, she's ready to come up and preach. Um, but it's, uh, and, and that, that's good. I, I'm going to need some help because I've just been diving into this and I, I just feel like sometimes sometimes you just feel like God has something for you. Um, pay no attention to the lights turning off and on and fans doing random things. We're probably blowing fuses and all kinds of stuff in the background. You don't know what God's doing in the background. He says, all right, fuses are back on. That's cool. Um, but I, I, I just kind of feel like this, this passage has some application to us today, especially where we are um, as a church. Uh, when we look at this passage, this is, um, by the way, miracle number three. If you ever read the, the book of John, one thing you need to keep in mind is that John is very, he's very into, much into numerology. And so John starts numbering um, the miracles of Jesus and uh, he leads up to, really, the, the death and burial resurrection of Christ, and, and it's almost like he, he, he lays out seven major miracles, um, and theologians call that kind of the, the second or the new creation uh, narrative of John's gospel. He's, he's subtly, sort of secretly telling us that Jesus came to have a whole new Genesis week. That just like in the book of Genesis, there were seven days of creation, um, so also Jesus is making a new creation through his time on earth. And at the end of that time is the point where he rises from the dead and he brings about a brand new Um, creation for us is a brand new way to be human and so there's there's a lot of sort of undertones in the book of in the gospel of john but but this is miracle number three this is this is the third one and i've even thought maybe about doing a whole sermon series on all seven miracles but there's just this is the this is the third one and it says that after this after the the second one after this there was a feast of the jews and jesus went to jerusalem Um, now there is in jerusalem by the sheep Gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. Now the word Bethesda means a house of mercy, or a place of mercy. Uh, it means house of mercy, but the emphasis is not on any kind of structure. It's on a um, uh, it's, it's 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 on a presence or it's on a place. It means house of mercy. The, the pool is called house of mercy, and it's surrounded by five porches. And like I said, John's big time into numerology, and so the number five in the Bible usually stands for grace. So it's kind of cool that the pool of mercy is surrounded by porches of grace. Um, and that is, by the way, how you get to mercy. By the way, mercy and grace are not the same thing, just, 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 so, just so you know. Uh, mercy is when God withholds judgment that is justly due to you. He, he doesn't give you what you deserve, but grace is where God gives you power uh, to walk with him, power that you don't deserve. So uh, an easy way to think about it is mercy is when you don't get what you deserve and grace is when you get what you don't deserve. Uh, when he, so he, he withholds the, the evil the, 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 that, that ought to come your way. That's mercy. It's the pool of mercy. That's where the healing happens the pool of mercy but around that pool are porches of grace and that's how we get to his mercy is through his grace his grace enables us to reach his mercy his grace empowers us to get to his mercy and so this is this is the setting there are five porches uh, around this pool called bethesda and in the porches lay a great multitude of sick people uh blind people lame people paralyzed people waiting for the moving of the water and verse four is one of the weirdest verses in the Bible, one of the strangest verses. In fact, it's left out of some Bibles. If you have an, an ESV, uh, it, doesn't have, it doesn't have 90% of verse four. It cuts out a lot of verse four because verse four is kind of controversial. Uh, well, it's not included in all of the text. It's in the majority of the original text. And so that's why it's in the King James or the New King James, what I'm reading from. But in verse four, it says, for an angel would go down at a certain time into the pool and would stir up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. I don't know about you, but that's kind of weird, right? Like uh, uh, Natalie and Jeff, if you guys told me that an angel was in your backyard last night in your pool, you know, stirring it up, and like the first person who jumped in got healed, I I would be concerned there's no biblical other than this there's no biblical precedent for this there's no uh old testament teaching on this there's no scripture for this it's just an angel comes down stirs up the pool and whoever jumps in first gets healed This sounds like a cult i'm sorry but it's just kind of weird and, and and so i like the bible because it doesn't always play to our delicate Sensibilities. It doesn't always explain everything in a nice, neat package for us Westerners, for us Austinites. You know, it doesn't give us scientific evidence of the angel. It just throws this in there and moves on. It's like, ah, there's an angel, and go down into the water and stir it up, and people got healed and stuff. It's a magical pool. It's like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Well, well, sometimes just because it's weird doesn't mean it's not God. Sometimes God works in mysterious ways. Sometimes God does things that, that just doesn't even make sense to us, and he doesn't feel the need to explain himself. He just kind of throws it in there, like, yep, there was an angel. He stirred the water, and whoever jumped in first got healed. And so, I don't know, maybe that's just for me, but it, it's, it's good to remember that God's outside of my capacity to reason and to explain and my, my logic and my ability to back everything up with solid facts and figures, uh, he's got some strange things going on that I don't even know how this works I don't know the name of the angel I don't know if it's a Christian angel I don't know if it's you know if this is like a, a cherubim is a fat little chubby angel like I don't know if he's got a stirs it up with a sword or a stick or or uh, you know Cupid's arrow I don't know what he's stirring this thing up with but something about the angel stirring the water means that the first person to jump into this pool when it stirred got healed Now, there was a certain man there who had an infirmity or a sickness for 38 years. I just had my 38th birthday on April 2nd, and uh, I started preaching, man, when I was 12 years old, and so when I started preaching, I thought 38 was a long time, you know what I'm saying? So now I'm reading it, and am like, oh, it's not too long. I mean, he's just just had a little bit, but I don't know. It's just, I guess it's all perspective. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been in that condition a long time. Well, thanks, Jesus. And so he said to him, do you want to be made well? And that is a key question. Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, although he didn't really answer him, but he answered him and he said, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. In the original language, he said, you must get up right now. You must take up your mat or your bed. It wasn't really a mattress. It was more of a mat. And you must walk around. That's actually in the original language. And what's interesting, he says that to the man. and Immediately, the man was made well. In other words, he was able to get up. Jesus was asking him to do something he wasn't able to do. Uh, until he made him able to do it and so Jesus tells him get up uh, take up your your mat and walk around and he can't do that but immediately as soon as Jesus's words come out of his mouth the man becomes able to do what he's telling him to do and so he takes up his bed and he begins walking around and that day was the Sabbath and so in verse 10 we understand the significance of the Sabbath that the Jews, therefore, said to him who was cured. That's the way John describes this man now. The man who was cured. The Jews said, wow, we're so excited that you were healed. No, that's not what they said. They said, "They said, wow, who, how, who healed you? No. Is the water stirring? No. You, you, you must feel great after 38 years. No, no. The, the Jews said, it is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to carry your bed. <laughs> I mean, that's what, that's what religion has a tendency to do. That's what religious people have a tendency to do. It's like we notice the infraction. We don't notice, we don't celebrate the healing, we don't celebrate the miracle. We don't even take 30 seconds to, to even acknowledge that the guy is carrying his bed. No, no, no. It goes straight to, did you know, sir, that it's the Sabbath? And I know you've never had this problem before, carrying stuff on the Sabbath. But, but it's a brand new difficulty, and you're not supposed to be carrying stuff on the Sabbath. And, and, and so they go right to the infraction. They go right to the, 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 the and this, by the way, is not in Moses' law. This is in the Talmud. Um, that the, the Talmud was written to go alongside Moses' law where God said honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Don't do any work on the Sabbath. And so the Jews put together a whole bunch of laws around that concept that said, well, what does it mean to work? Well, you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do this other. It was a man-made law trying to be holy, trying to get to the holiness of God. But this is not even God's law. This is just man-made law. And he answered them. He said, well, he who made me well said to me, and he quotes exactly verbatim what Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. Uh, then they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Notice John repeats that phrase three times. That's a, that's a John thing. Three times is a significant number in the Bible. He repeats the exact same phrase three times. But the one who was healed didn't know who it was because Jesus had withdrawn and a multitude being in that place, plus Jesus didn't have his name badge on, Uh, city chapel saying hello my name is Jesus he didn't so he didn't know he didn't know who it was but verse 14 says afterward Jesus found him in the temple so Jesus does a follow-up visit he had the original visit then Jesus stops in for a follow-up and he says to him see or look you have been made well I I think maybe one of the reasons why Jesus made a follow-up visit is because he knew that the man had already encountered religion. He had an experience with Jesus and then immediately entered into religion. And for many of us, this is what has happened. We've had an experience with Jesus and then we immediately have an experience with religion that somehow often sort of clouds or distracts from our experience with Jesus. And so Jesus comes to him, he knows that he's already been told, hey, uh, you're not supposed to be carrying your mat. You're, you're, you're in a new world now, you're now walking, you're moving around, and you're not allowed to do that. And, and so already he is being distracted away from what God has done with what he should be doing. <laughs> That's what religion does. It moves you off of celebrating what God has done to focusing on what you should be doing, what you should be adding to this. And so Jesus does a follow-up visit because he's already had this encounter with religion that's talking about don't carry the mat. And Jesus is a follow-up and he says, look, he says, see, you have been made well. He refocuses the man. He says, he, and sometimes I think in church, we just have to refocus ourselves on the fact uh, that God that I once was blind, but now I see. Like that's why we sing these old songs, and it's not because uh, uh, it's, it's not because we think that we, we we are we are just poor and we just can't do anything on ourselves. It's the fact that we can never forget what Christ did for us on the cross. Because the minute we get too spiritual and too deep for celebrating what Christ has brought us from, is the minute that we start losing why we're there in the first place. The whole reason why this guy was even in the temple is because he had. Been made well. God did a work in his life, and it's so easy to forget. Even three months ago, six months ago, where, I, where where I was, twelve months ago, where I was, five years ago. It's so easy to get caught up in the condemnation of religion on what I should be working on that we forget what God has done. And what we do is we steal His glory. People say, "Who saved you? Why? How are you walking?" I don't really know. <laughs> He didn't even have a glimpse of Jesus. All he knew was that he shouldn't be carrying his bed anymore. So Jesus shows up, finds him in church in order to refocus him. And so for some of you, I just want to refocus you today. Not so much on what you should be doing or the I's you should be dotting or the T's you should be crossing. But just simply to celebrate the progress that God has made in your life. That you you were lame on the side of the... You weren't able to do. Like, you weren't even able to understand the Word of God. You would read it, you'd fall asleep. Like, you you listen to preachers, and, and, and you would make fun of people like me. You would mock people like me. Like, you weren't even in a place to receive from God at all. And God touched your heart. God did something inside of you. God opened your mind. God opened your ears. God released His Spirit into your life. And that's worth remembering, that's worth noticing, that's worth seeing, that's worth saying, hey, wait a minute, I know I still have this mat, but at the same time, I have this miracle that has happened inside of me. It's possible to be, still be carrying a mat and remembering a miracle. It's possible to not have it all figured out yet, and yet know that, you know, I'm not where I used to be. I, 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 I might not like the process I'm in, but I'm thankful for the progress I've made. And I feel like Jesus just does that. He shows up and he says, man, think about where you've come from. Notice the fact that you're healed. See that you've been made well. And then the next sentence is important. He says, sin no more. <laughs> sin no more. That's not, not, he's not talking about sickness now. He, he's not telling them you can't go eat you know, a burger or, 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 or get a pizza. He says, no, he says, sin, sin is the problem. Sin is at the root of all of our issues. It's rebellion against God. This is at the root. And so Jesus cuts to the root and he says, make sure that you sin no more lest a worse thing come upon you. Did somebody tell me it could get worse? It it, it could get worse. I mean, I don't know how bad it is right now, but it could always be worse. (laughs) But when God, I love Jesus. He's just like, he's just dropping it. I mean, he's just, he's just, he's not sugarcoating it. He's not like it's going to be easy from here on out. Everything's going to be great. No, he's like, you know, it could be worse. You might you might you, you a worse thing might come upon you because sin is the issue. There is something worse than sitting by a pool unable to move for 38 years. There is something worse than than being addicted to what you've been addicted to. There's something worse and the marriage issues that you've had, there's something worse, and that worse is separation from God. That's that's the absolute worst thing. And so, and so that's why he says, make sure you sin no more. I've healed your legs, like I fixed your physical walk. Now we need to address your spiritual walk. Now we need to address your Monday through Saturday. Uh, and he and he deals with that, and he says, make sure you sin no more. But but when when I read this story, I, I read it earlier this week because I was just thinking about just what God has been doing in City Chapel. Um, There has been just a stirring um, of the waters, if you will, uh, at City Chapel. And I've just, I've been sensing that, I've been feeling that, I've been realizing that. I mean, last week in worship, like, especially like during the 930 service, I mean, the presence of God was just here in a powerful way. And I'm not the kind of preacher, just, just if you're visiting, I'm not the kind of preacher who's always saying that. And those of you who are regular, you, like, you can attest, like, he never says that. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I just, I, you know, I, I guess I never say that because a lot of times pastors just say that, like, they say what they want to happen as if it's happening in hopes that it will happen. And so I'm not, I'm just not that way. I don't, I don't just kind of throw stuff out there and the presence of God is in this place. Well, you know, sometimes it is, sometimes it's not, you know, sometimes I'm feeling it and nobody else is, sometimes Sometimes I'm not feeling it, and somebody else is. But 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 occasionally, I don't know. Some there are different seasons of a church where where God just begins stirring the waters of His Spirit, and I can tell you, I can actually tell you when it started for City Chapel. This particular season started back in February when God spoke to me just. Personally, privately, saying you need to invest in friendship with the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you remember, but I just kind of shared that with you all that week because that's what I felt like God was saying that this nearness of the Holy Spirit and friendship of the Holy Spirit in our day to day walk is what is lacking. That many of us have a church spirituality, but we don't have a passionate weekly spirituality. We don't have this inner connection with the Holy Spirit. And so God just began dealing with me personally about fasting and about prayer. Once again, it's not about certain things that I have to do. It's about this nearness that Jesus wants to have with me. And so he pulled me close and I shared some of that with you all. And, and, and it was just, it was, it was an interesting moment. And, and, and and God always starts with leadership. He starts stirring leadership. And so he started stirring in my heart and then he started stirring in other people's hearts. And, and just over the past few months, God has been stirring in city chapel. A couple weeks ago in kids church, the kids were like, Janiah was on her knees, tears running down her face, worshiping God. And kids were like closing their eyes and entering into worship. And, and uh, Pastor Eddie said, How many of you felt the Holy Spirit today? And you know, a lot of kids raised their hand because when God, like when, when the water starts stirring, it, it does, it gets a little weird, it gets a little odd, a little different. It's not your, it's not your normal church, but it's powerful. It brings healing to people's lives. Like, I'm okay with a little bit of weird if we can actually have some change. I, you know, I'm, I'm tired of the same old normal stuff. And we, we speak to people's brains from people's brains. You know, somebody who did a lot of study with his brain talks to a bunch of people who are trying to think with their brain. And their hearts aren't changed at all. And we all go home and live the exact same way we've been living. We just know more. Like, that's not what it's supposed to be about. There's supposed to be this stirring in the water where, where the presence of God is literally tangibly felt. When his people get together, like it's there and it's not just emotional. It's not just a particular song. It's not all the Bethel music. It's like, it's even, it's even, uh, we even had gospel Sunday the other day and that was just as anointed Clint Brown, just as anointed as anybody else. I mean, it's like, it's like God just moves in people's heart and that's what it's about. That's what church is supposed to be about. I remember, I remember Maranatha uh, Fellowship, my, my, my hero, one of our overseers is Pastor James Wright. He, he planted Maranatha Fellowship and there was, there was a team of men. Whenever I was there, I would go visit with this team of men. They would gather every weeknight, Monday through Friday, um, five o'clock to nine o'clock at night. And we would pray. And they would pray the whole time. Like they wouldn't just sit around and wait for something. Literally words are coming out of their mouth the entire time, and I I couldn't really keep up because I'd run out of stuff to pray for. So we had to have a map, you know, so you could pray for Syria and Afghanistan. It's just, I mean, you're just you're, you're four hours, you're running out of stuff. You just got to keep going. And and I remember old uh, an old guy named Red, Red Red McComas, uh, Red man. He passed away this past uh, I don't know a couple of months ago, um, but man, he would like like when he would run out of stuff to pray. He would just pray one word. He would just say, stir, 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 stir. That's all he'd do. He'd be walking up and down the room. he just go, stir, 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 stir. And man, that, that sort of stirred me up because, because at the end of the day, when you've lost all the specifics of who needs healed from what, really what we need is the presence of God to stir the waters of our dead religion. Our, our, this stagnant pool is boring. You know, staring at flat water, nobody moving, nobody saying anything, everybody nodding when they're supposed to nod, standing up when they're supposed to stand, sit when they're supposed to, and nobody gets healed. Like this, is, this isn't this is working for me. I mean, you know, to me, this, this church is just a whole bunch of really sick people gathered around a pool. And if God doesn't show up and start stirring, yeah. nobody, nobody gets healed, nobody gets saved, nobody gets delivered in three years of pastoring we've had seasons like that and bless you guys who keep coming during that because you know it's like it's like like you're just going uphill you know it's like oh man it's just tiring everything's so tiring and exhausting it's like the man by the pool he's, he's just laying there 38 years he's been in this tiring state of 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 waiting waiting for something to stir, waiting for something to move. And, and I just feel like God is stirring the waters at City Chapel. And I would, I would suggest to you that you, you jump in during this, this time because it's not always going to be like this. Uh, A.W. Tozer said the, 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 the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the window, within the lifetime of the opportunity. And so there's, there's certain moments of stirring that it's just not always like that. God's not always drawing you close. God's not always speaking to your heart. I mean, you've had several years go by where you didn't feel or hear anything in your mind. And that's not by accident. That's just different seasons. And so I would suggest that that in the season of stirring, that you just, that you jump in. You might not even understand everything. You might not even really agree with everything. There might be some things that seem strange to you. The, the whole, you know, angel thing might just be weird to you. That's fine. But, but, but the truth is, if you can get into a place of healing, if you can get into a place of wholeness, it's worth. It's worth the weirdness. It's worth. It's worth the strange. Feeling It's worth the, I don't really know about this, but when you step into a place of wholeness and when God begins to move in your heart and stir in your heart, man, 38 years of bondage can be healed in about 38 seconds. 38 years of addiction can be taken care of in about 38 seconds of being in his presence. And I've, I've, I've had that. I've felt that. I've experienced that. And I feel like we're right on, we're right kind of in that place But I've also noticed that when God starts stirring the water, that there are some side effects to the stirring. There are some um, side effects to the stirring. Primarily, you notice this guy been sitting here for 38 years. we can go back to that passage where Jesus um, speaks to him, it's verse six. Jesus saw a man lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? Look at the man's response in verse seven. The man says, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. That's his first excuse. (laughs) And his second is, uh, he says, I have no man to put me in. And while I am trying to go there myself, another steps down before me. That's his second excuse. Basically, he he has no answer for Jesus. Do you want to be made well? He doesn't even address the question. And personally, this has always sort of bugged me a little bit because, I mean, this is the Son of God, right? Uh, This is Jesus. He's able to heal you and deliver you and do all kinds of amazing stuff. And he comes to you and he asks you a question. And you don't even answer the man? You just just start throwing excuses at him. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I grew up in church, but I have short patience with whiners. I just... You know, like whining people. I just, I'm like, dude, I mean, for real. Like when my kids, my kids can do all kinds of things, but when they start whining, I'm like, uh-uh, hold up, hold up. This is, this is just too much. I mean, you, like, you've like, you been blessed way too much to be, well, I don't know about that. I can't do that because nobody puts me in. If Jesus didn't ask if you had your, you know, your, if, if, if you had somebody to help put you in. He asked, do you want to meet? He's addressing the man's heart. He's addressing his desire. He says, look, I see where you're at. Obviously, nobody's put you in. I mean, clearly, you're as dry as anything over here. You haven't been wet in a long time. Nobody put you in. I got it. Like, you know, okay cool. But he's like, I'm addressing your heart. And the man, though, look at, look at how his attitude has formed after 38 years. It's interesting to me, the sociological effects of stirring. The sociological circle of sickness that's here in this place is, is interesting enough that, you know, birds of a feather tend to flock together and misery loves company. And uh, there are all these sick people congregate in one space. And I've noticed that in church. All, all the gossips find each other. All the religious people find it. All the addicted people find each other. That's just what happens. It's just, you know, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna find people who are messed up in a similar way that, that you are. You guys are, it's not, it's not that funny. It's all right, it's all right. It's not, I mean, it is, but, I mean, it is that funny, but, you know. But this is the sociological circles of sickness. But within that, there's a sociological effect of stirring. And, I, and, and, I've, and I've, I've always wondered this. It seems like when God starts moving, people start getting offended. It's just weird. Like, I've noticed that. I've noticed that when God starts stirring, people start going, how come nobody's putting me in the pool you know what i mean like like without like before the stirring like let's like, just i'm trying to i'm not not i'm not trying to be that funny like seriously it's just the way i talk this is my face well, normal this is how i look but like, like 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 you like if you would have walked up to this pool before the stirring it was a communal pool of bathing so Uh, it's the sheep gate. This is where all the shepherds would come in. They've been traveling um, for many nights, usually sleeping out in the middle of nowhere. They're dirty. So they're going to jump in the pool, wash themselves off and jump back out. That's what the pool was about. So it was supposed to be a communal washing. It's supposed to be everybody kind of helping each other, taking turns, jumping in, getting out. You know, kind of like a, a Texas parking lot of in, in, in H-E-B, you know? It's a community experience, you know? Oh, you want the spot? No, you take the spot. No, you take the spot. No, it's okay. You know, I'm just going to wander down the middle of the lane and just, I don't know. But anyway, I'm not from Texas, so it, it was a weird experience for me. But, but it was this community thing where, where you, you, you clean off, you go in. But when the angel started stirring, it went from a community thing to a competition thing. And people were, were sitting there watching, waiting for their spot, waiting for their chance. And that's what, unfortunately, that's what happens when God starts moving in a church. Folks that haven't even been here forever suddenly start jumping over folks that have been here when it was stagnant. And it's like, hold up, this was my spot. <laughs> and, and it's like, and it's like and it's, it, we, we get a sense of territorialism whenever, whenever something's at stake. When we see people being healed and blessed and their business is being blessed and their personal finances are blowing up and stuff's happening for them and God healed them and then of uh, the, the physical thing that they had going on and then God delivered them from that addiction and then they've had that and I've been here like for, I've been faithful for a really long time staring at the pool and I don't understand why these other people are always getting in in front of me. It's a spirit of competition and that spirit of competition comes from a place of selfishness. I don't know if you have kids, and if you've noticed, if one of them gets blessed or gets gets lucky or gets gets some some award at Kids City or something, what does the other kid always say? It's not fair. I didn't get. Anything. I don't know. And some parents, man, like I, this is a little parenting class for you. Don't reward whining. <laughs> She's up. Mia, Mia is up Does she have a hanky in her hand? I don't know I need to... don't... No, no, seriously I mean, it, it, like, 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 don't go to the store and say Okay, honey, we'll get you something to make up for the fact That you were treated so unfairly Because number one, this doesn't prepare kids for real life Because that's not how it works in real life But number two It doesn't teach kids to love each other And I've had this talk with my kids. Guys, look, Jesus gave us two commandments. First one, love God with everything, and second one, love others. And if you are jealous or envious when somebody gets something good, that is because you don't really love them. If you can't rejoice with those who rejoice, you'll never be able to weep with those who weep. You're not really community-minded, you're self-motivated and minded. And his attitude, his attitude just comes out. Jesus asked him about his heart, and all of a sudden, his attitude rises up, and it kind of bugs me a little bit. Uh, He also says, you know, there's these people jumping in, and nobody's helping me. His attitude kind of stinks. But what I love about Jesus, Jesus doesn't correct his attitude. Like, if it were me, I'd be like, dude, come on, you know, stop the whining, yada, yada, yada. He doesn't correct his attitude because within his bad attitude is the answer to Jesus's question. Jesus said, do you want to be made well? And he never answered him directly, but his immense hurt over the fact that he was never able to get into the pool reveals that he really does want to be made well because you don't get upset about stuff that doesn't matter to you. So even to you grumpy people today, it's okay. Because I know it must matter to you a lot if you got bugged by the person who stepped in front of you. If, you got, if, it, if, it, if it hurts you that much, I know you must really want for God to work in your life. I can see that, even in your grumpiness, even in your, your, your whining. I, I, I can hear somebody who really does want God to change their walk. And so Jesus doesn't even address the attitude because he knows that the attitude has come from a desire to get well, a desire to be able to walk. He sees the heart of the man. Within his hurt, he sees his heart. And religion always focuses on the hurt and says, well, you need to get the right attitude and you need to want it bad enough and you need to desire it bad enough. And, 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 and I feel like this scripture is a passage that, that is jumping out of the box of religion because we're always looking for like a a, a hero to pattern ourselves after, right? If he would have said, yes, Jesus, I I want it, then I would have been up here saying, guys, we just need to want it bad enough and we need to fix our desires on Jesus. You know I mean? Because we're always trying to find somebody to emulate and pattern ourselves after. And there's some good to that. But this guy is not exactly a hero of the story. He didn't do anything, first of all, for Jesus to find him. There's a multitude of sick people and Jesus climbs over all of them doesn't heal any of them, except this one guy, right? I mean, like, if, if I'm Jesus, I'm going to go down, stand in the well, and just the well will start, like, spinning, you know, and sh- it'd be epic, and he'll just raise my hands, you know, and all of a sudden, everybody comes to me, and they're like, Jesus is really the well, he's the well of the well, and I woo, the mercy, you know, I mean, like, you know, it's like Rob Bell's dream, everybody gets in, you know what I'm saying, it's just like, whoa, this is massive, but he doesn't do that he finds one guy leaves the rest like he steps over vomit excuse me <laughs> you got you got problems dude and he steps over this guy walks around he gets in one of the one of the porches finds one guy says do you want to be made well and he complains. and he says okay well get up carry your mat and go walk and then he just—he slips away before he's even able to get up. That's why he doesn't know his Jesus, because he couldn't see him. Because when he found him, he was like focusing this on the well. This guy's talking to him, and he's like, eh, "Every time I try, I just can't. I can't do it. It doesn't work out. It's not working." <laughs> and this—and this is us, man. Some people are jumping into the water, and I and I congratulate you, and I and I say go for it. Some of you are standing on the sideline, waiting for somebody to pick you up, and that's not going to happen. And just sitting on the sideline, whining about the fact that other people are jumping in, and that's okay. What the beauty of Jesus is that He spans the difference between the pool and the porch Himself. He is the water of life. He is the pool. The pool went down to the pool and didn't even go to the pool. He just went to the porch. So the man of mercy, the man of mercy, not just the place of mercy, but the person of mercy stepped onto the porch of grace and brought grace and mercy together on the same ground and found somebody. And so I'm, I don't know, I, I, I'm i talking to somebody who's sitting on the sideline and all your grumpy self, you think it's not happening. And Jesus doesn't care about your grumpiness. He's offering healing for you without, without the, the trappings of the typical path, without ne- even getting wet. You don't even have to get into the water because the living water, and this is what I feel like God wants to do, is he doesn't just wanna stir up pools, he wants to stir up people. He wants to come inside of people and start stirring something inside of your heart And so while he's focused on the pool, because that's his salvation in his mind, his pool is his salvation. Jesus is talking to him and Jesus is stirring, not the pool, he's stirring something inside of him. Because the greater stirring is not just in a church where we have wonderful worship services. The most important place is when mercy finds you. And when grace finds you right where you are at and stirs up something inside of you that enables you to walk differently. Not just to sing differently or shout differently or worship differently, but to walk, to live differently. And he's coming to, he's finding, I I just feel like it's a call. God's calling people who have been sort of just on the sideline making excuses. He's okay with your excuses. He's not offended by your excuses. And he's coming to, he's bridging the gap, the space between the porch and the pool. He's bridging that gap and he's coming to you, bringing you the chance like the water came to him. And that's what David said actually about God. David said, all of your waterfalls crash over me. For people who, who refuse to tip their toe in the river, it's okay. All of his waterfalls will at times crash over you. A waterfall is when the pool or the river gets so full that it can't it can't stay in the boundaries in it and it launches out over the edges and starts pouring out onto new land and new places and that's what I feel like God wants to do he doesn't just want to stir the waters here he wants to stir the people he wants to splash out beyond the pulpit and beyond the worship team and beyond the kidsmen. He wants to splash out into your homes and into your minds and into your cars and your vehicles and your marriages and your and your lives. And he, he 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 wants to bridge that gap between where you live and where you hope the healing will be. <laughs> he wants to to close that gap between where you live and where you hope the healing will be. Because you're always looking for something outside of your porch. But someone from outside of your porch is standing on your porch. And he is offering to you, not the water from the pool, but the healing that would come from the water from the pool he offers the healing to us he stands next to us and he says what do you want and it is a good question do you really want to be made well i mean because you would if if god heals your wounds you couldn't use them as an excuse anymore <laughs> so, so it is a good question do you want to do you wanna be able to walk? Because if, if you start walking, now you gotta figure out what to do with this mat. I mean, it is a good question. If I start moving, then I'm gonna be... He, he, the, the religious leaders didn't bother with him until he started walking. So it is a good question because walking people have a lot more difficulties than, than, than laying people. Laying people receive handouts. Laying people have pity. Laying people uh, don't, don't have to go to work. But walking people, it's a whole nother scenario. And some people just don't want to learn how to walk because their identity is wrapped up in their, in their issue. And so it is a good question. Do you want to be able to walk? Do you want to have a functional marriage? Because in a functional marriage, you actually have to repent sometimes. You have to admit you're wrong every now and then, <laughs> like all the time. If, do you want like, you know, do you want the work of raising kids who are pleasant to be around do you want the interruption of being late for meetings because you have to stop and you have to talk to your kids and you have to pour time into them I mean I mean because some some of us really don't want that and we're, 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 we're okay we're okay with the sickness because a certain level of sickness has has enabled us to function at a level that we're just okay with and so it is a good question do you want to be well and then he, and he, says, he, says, do, he says, do you want to be well? And then, and then he says, will you rise up from where you are? Will you accept my power? He says, do you want to be made? I think that's a reference actually to the creation week that, that John is sculpting. Do you want to be made in a well kind of way? Do you want to be created well? Or are you happy with the old creation? Do you want to be made? Will you you do what you believe you cannot do before you even feel that you have the power to do it? Will you stand up? Will you you stand up, not physically, but will you rise up on the job? Will you rise up in your mind? Will you rise up with your attitude? Will will, Will you rise up? Will you stand up? And this is the third question. He finally says, will you focus on what I've done for you? Will you see it? And will you walk without the sin that you had before? Once again, that sounds impossible, right? Who, who, can, who can not sin anymore? But remember, he's talking to a guy who, who couldn't walk. So maybe God's able to do the impossible it's just throwing it out there. Maybe he's able to empower us to do what is impossible with man. Maybe it's possible with God. And maybe like standing up when you can't stand, walking in obedience when you can't walk in obedience. It's kind of the same sort of thing. Maybe as he commands it, he also gives power to walk in it. Maybe he's just waiting for somebody to believe him enough to put some weight on their legs that haven't been working and realize it's working. and Will, will you carry, will, will you be okay with carrying your mat? I feel, I feel like we do have some people that have jumped in and have God's ministered to them and they've been healed and they're, they're walking around here with their mats. And the biggest thing that the enemy will say to you is, yeah, you need to get rid of that. You need to be further than you actually are. You really ought to be further than you are right now. That's what the enemy starts lying to you about. It's what he starts telling you about. He starts telling you you can't have a ministry and a mat at the same time. You can't, you can't have issues you're still working on. You can't have the smell. Like you, 38 years of laying on the same mat. I, and Jesus said, I, don't leave it here. Yeah, it's crazy to me because if I got up, I would just want to leave that thing. I don't want to see that thing again. I don't want to, I don't I don't even want to go to a mat store. I'm done with mats. There's no mat, I are not going to have any mats in our house. But Jesus is like, no, take the actual one you were, that, that was holding you. I want you to hold it. The very thing that was carrying you, that you relied on for so many years, I want you now to carry that, and I want you to, to carry that so that people say, oh, that's the guy who was laying on the mat. See, we want to quick get rid of that identity. No, no that's not me. I'm, I'm, I'm No, take it. It's your testimony. What God has delivered you from and what God is still walking you through. It's going to be, It see, here's the deal. Jesus didn't heal everybody on the porch, but I believe Jesus loved everybody on the porch. And so he healed one guy and told him to start walking around. Because when when Jesus heals you and he does for you what only he can do and he stirs up inside of you living water, then we walk around the porch and we have water inside of us and we bring Jesus to people. I don't know if eventually everybody around the pool got healed or not. I don't know, but I, I believe it's God's heart that everybody would receive the blessing of a transformed life. So don't be shy about your mat. Don't be discouraged about the path. We were talking, we were talking Tuesday night with Jonathan and, um, and uh, Ricky. Got me preaching. Because we were talking about the people of Israel. People of Israel are stuck in Egypt, right? And, and they're enslaved. And God said, I want to get my people out. But where did he go? Wh- who did he find to lead his people out of Egypt. He didn't go to Egypt, he went outside of Egypt to a place called Midian, which is right near Canaan, to a guy who had ran away from Egypt 40 years prior in shame, because he murdered somebody. In shame, he ran away and he found that guy and he said, I want you to go back. You know, the same path you took to get here, I want you to rewalk those steps and go back to those people and then I want you to lead those people along the same path And you look at the route that the people of Israel took. They took the same route that Moses would have taken when he was on the run. And so Moses leads 3 million people. His walk of shame was a path of deliverance for somebody. And when you actually get victory over something, when you start being able to carry something that used to carry you, you know how to walk that. You know how to carry that. You know how to go there. And three million people might look at you and say, "We're out. we've never been out here before." And he says, "That's okay. I I I, I walked. I'm not proud of it, but I, I I've walked this path. And God has redeemed. God's sent me back. So it's not even it's not even the first trip that's the big deal. It's the going back that's the big deal. It's not even getting healed. That it's not any credit to you that you got healed. That's something God just chose to do. But when you choose to pick up your mat and go back to the porch that you came from and go back to the neighborhood that you came from and go back to the family that you came from and go back to the mess that you came from and, and say, look, I know the way out. This is the way, this is the way, this is, that's it. And that's where mercy that you receive is extended through you. Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing in this church, I thank you for the stirring and for your presence. We don't take it lightly. It's not an everyday occurrence that we just get to sit with you and dwell with you and hear from you. I pray for everybody who's on the sidelines. I pray that you would step over some folks today and stand right beside them. May they hear your voice. Your voice is what makes all the difference. When you speak to us, it brings reality into view. So may they hear your voice today, speaking their value, speaking their worth, speaking, speaking the fact that you would leave the pool of heaven come down to the porch of sickness here on earth in order to bring heaven here. So you, you, you cross all these lines and these boundaries, social and, and otherwise, moral. <laughs> you step between all of them and you're not affected by it. And you give us the ability to walk. You give us the healing. Oh, we receive your healing today. We receive your power today. We receive your anointing today. We ask for you to stir Stir, 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 as Red used to pray. Stir in people's hearts, Lord. Stir up the anointing that breaks the yoke. Stir up the, the power of the gospel. Stir up the love of God. Stir up peace in our hearts, Lord. Stir up joy in our hearts. Stir up the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Stir up patience inside of us, Lord. Stir up long suffering and forgiveness, Lord. Stir up a pure heart inside of us. Create in us a pure heart. Remove and, and renew a right spirit within us, Lord stir up the gifts of the Holy Spirit stir up the gifts of the spirit that you give freely you don't even charge us for them you just hand them out to your kids stir up the gifts inside of us stir up dreams inside of us stir up our our potential Lord stir up our hope stir up a longing that you put inside of us even as kids Lord stir up the the, 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 the person who, who was there before the hurt who was there before all of the excuses and before all of the the stuff that tripped us up and God us so stuck in our own head, Lord. Stir up freedom inside of us. Stir up a spirit of of, of freedom, a spirit of Christ inside of us. Stir up our hearts. Stir up our spirits. Stir up our emotions. Stir up our will. Stir up our laziness. Stir up our calm. Stir up our contentedness. Stir us up to follow after you. Jesus' name.